Welcome to the Rebel and Muse podcast, where you can join us on our journey of self-improvement. I'm Kaleo Wassman. And I'm Melanie Wassman. Tune in each week to discover how we find balance in health, love, and life. Happy Muse Monday, everyone out there. We are really excited to have a very special guest on, and he's just a wealth of knowledge. So to maximize our time with him, we're just going to we're gonna jump right in. Today, we have Wade T. Lightheart. He's the host of the Awesome Health podcast. He's a three-time all-natural national bodybuilding champion, advisor to the American Anti-Cancer Institute, and director of education at Bioptimizers Nutrition, one of the world's most innovative nutritional supplement companies. He's also the author of several books, including the best-selling book, Staying Alive in a Toxic World, and The Wealthy Backpacker. The Awesome Health Podcast is a big part of his mission to help others fix their digestion and transform their health with the daily practice of positive principles, rituals, and optimizers. So hi, Wade. Thank you so much for being on. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with your audience. Yeah. So, okay, you've led quite an amazing life so far, literally from living in an ashram in India to fasting in the Arizona desert to teaching sport nutrition at the Swedish National Training Center. Um, how did you get started? What was the, um, the catalyst for you to start down this journey of health? Well, you know, I, was, I just grew up in uh, nor- northern Canada or on the east coast of Canada, kind of an ordinary kid in a little small town, you know, playing hockey and going to school and, you know, going to band practice. Very, very ordinary life. There's nothing really special until... Three things happened to me when around the time I was 15, and they happened like literally within the span of a, a few weeks. One was my parents moved to an extremely rural place where it was literally five miles to my nearest neighbor. I lived up a dirt road. The telephone poles ended on my line. It was 35 miles away from the village that I was from prior to. And it was a beautiful place, but I was very isolated, taken away from my friends and all that sort of stuff. So I wasn't very happy about that. But it did provide a lot of reflection time that served me later on. Second thing, um, my sister, uh, who was four years my senior, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, which is a form of cancer of the lymph nodes. And I watched over the next four years her go through the medical model, you know, uh, chemotherapy, radiation, bone marrow transplants, all the drugs, all that stuff, before she died at the age of 22. So that made a big impact on me. Mm. And... um, at the same time, you know, around 15, uh, she had given me this bodybuilding magazine and it had a picture of Mr. California, Troy Zuccolato on it and two pretty girls and, you know, being driven mad with testosterone as every 15 year old boy is. I, I thought, well, I don't have those muscles and I don't have those girls. Maybe I better start working out. So I built it. I built it. I built a gym in my barn, kind of Rocky style with sawhorses and a weight set and pulleys and you know, tractor tires and all this stuff. And I started training and, you know, reading Arnold Schwarzenegger books and buying Joe Weider magazines, uh, which led me to go to school to study exercise physiology and nutrition and then move into a bodybuilding career and, and, and so on and so forth. And so, uh, yeah, I think I got found out early that health is not a guarantee, that life is not a guarantee and that you got to fix your health. And that, uh, and it turned out that my sister played a big influence in both of those roles, as well as having the time to kind of to be in a very reflective state and the time to put the effort in to become, you know, kind of a national caliber athlete uh, later on in life. 
Wow, what an incredible way to turn such a traumatic situation into your your jump off point to bring you to where you are. What a great way to cultivate that that opposite right there. Yeah, and I've heard well, thank you, you. I appreciate that. I've heard you say before in your speaking that everything is an opportunity or a challenge, and I think that's that's a beautiful way to look at things. So I'd like yeah, to I think talk. It's, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. it keeps you out of being. It, it keeps you out of becoming a victim in life, which has been so popular. I and mean, certainly, if you're in the human condition, very you are going to experience uh, heartache. You're going to experience death of people close to you. You're going to experience major setbacks in life. And um, if you're looking to blame somebody, you can never get yourself out of that. If you can take the situation, no matter how traumatic or painful it might be, and say, hey, there's an opportunity here, there's a lesson here, there's something I can grow, or there's something I can share, then you instantly move to a different activation component of your brain and oftentimes can solve that and take those tragic things and turn them into things that, you know, carry forward in life. And I think that's, if there's one message I want to get across to people, that's the most important one. Absolutely, totally agree. It's it's when when you take... When you take that stance and you take that position and that perspective of power, like I am creating this and this is my reaction to my life is, is my power that that's just, it's, it's empowering. That's exactly what it is. So you've also, you've also said something where every person is designed for perfect health and you, you come with that blueprint. And this is something that I, I completely agree with, and I'm so aligned with this, because we are all perfect, right? And it, it's what we do with this information. What what seeds are you planting to either create perfect health or to create the opposite of that? And I do want to say that we use your products daily, and this is how oh, we great. this is how we found you and. Um, I, I'd like to dive into the enzymes a little bit because this is something that we, like I said, we use it daily. We've been using it for quite a long time now and have seen amazing results. Um, so can you tell us why is why are enzymes so important? Great question. So for people who don't know, enzymes are the chemical catalyst inside your body that make virtually every chemical reaction work. There's over 25,000 different enzymatic functions, and basically they are converters. They convert one thing into something else, or they accelerate the speed of some sort of chemical reaction in the body. So basically, you need enzymes from everything from thinking to blinking. And what's very unique about humans, unlike any species in the world, uh, most species on the planet, they consume their food in a raw and live state. So if I'm a tiger and I'm going for breakfast this morning, I go out, I kill a zebra, I eat the entrails or the enzymes and probiotics are, then I eat the rest of the carcass and I move on. If I'm a horse, I'll go eat some, you know, the freshest grass I can have. And I not only get the nutrients, but I get these live enzymes that are available. Humans cook their food. And because we cook, we anything heated over 114 degrees destroys all the enzymes. So we get the nutrients, we get the energy units, we get the building blocks, but we don't get the workers. And there's only two agents that really do work in your body, and that is enzymes and probiotics. They're the people that, so quote unquote, if you're imagining in the city, they're the ones that clean the streets and deliver the groceries and, you know, make the telephone lines work. And without those, um, it doesn't matter how much energy units you put in or how many building blocks you put in, 
your body just doesn't work that well. And I talk about the turkey dinner syndrome. You eat all that food after, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner or whatever, and everybody's making a dive to the couch or the sofa, you know, drooling down their face after they've consumed <laughs> enough energy units or building blocks to, you know, power a small city. You think you can go run a marathon, but you can't because you only have a limited ability to absorb and utilize the food that you eat. And that's directly related to what's called your enzymatic potential. And because humans, the average 40-year-old has less than 30% of the enzymes they had when they were a kid. So this is why you see kids running around like Olympic athletes and older adults going, oh, I don't have the energy. Mm-hmm. Not because you don't have the food. It's that you don't have the ability to convert the food into the energy units you require. And that's what makes enzymes so powerful and why they're so important if you want to go to the optimal level of health, let alone just you know overcome digestive conditions, which a lot of people use them for. Wow. So the older that we get, the harder it is for us to to have this enzymatic charge like the kids do. There's a lot of evidence uh, that was outlined by a fellow by the name of Dr. Uh, Edward Howe, who wrote a book called Enzyme Nutrition and Enzymes, uh, Food Enzymes for Health and Longevity. And he demonstrated that the length of life of any individual organism was directly related to what he called the enzyme potential or the enzyme pool. In other words, how many enzymes they had. So in longevity studies, the people who tend to live or the organisms that live the longest are on restricted food intake. In other words, they eat less calories overall than their, their, uh, their, uh, the other species that don't live as long or in their own, their own species category. And so this is a powerful statement. People are wondering, well, it's less food. I believe it's not the less food. It's that you are not draining your enzyme reserves. And this was all replicated with uh, other species when they had fed them cooked diets versus enzyme-rich diets. And the people on the cooked diet, the, the animals on the cooked diet, died sooner than the ones on the enzyme-rich diet. Wow. And so, and there's another caveat. So a lot of people say, well, I'll just eat in a completely raw food diet. But the point is, is you can't rebuild the enzymatic pool on a raw food diet because the enzymes nature only puts enough enzymes present in the food to break down that food. Wow. And so what I said is like, well, if all this fasting works, what is the mechanism that fasting works? Well, if you're fasting, you're not using your enzyme pool to digest your food. And then you can use those enzymes to heal your body, create energy, all these sort of things. And so I was like, Oh, well, if you put more enzymes into the body, maybe you could live longer. Maybe you could perform more metabolic functions. Maybe you would recover better from exercise. And that actually turned out to be the case. I started that 15 years ago, and it was part of the process of how we were able to uh, do so well athletically and then help so many people around the world with digestive issues and to optimize their performance. Awesome. And when you bring up fasting, because everyone that listens to our podcast knows that I'm a huge faster, I usually do you know, maybe about 10 days a month. And, um, and you're absolutely right. It's just mind blowing and, um, very interesting for me to talk about this fasting experience, how much energy actually gets awoken inside of me without any units coming in, meaning no food and how my body taps into this, almost this magical energy, uh, laboratory. And, you know, I, I just, everything starts to improve in my life. And, um, what I've read about you is you've actually used, um, uh, enzymes during your fasting protocol as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, as we kind of just outlined briefly in layman's terms, how the, the, the metabolic benefits of enzyme, basically you're freeing up your enzyme pool. So I was like, well, if that's the mechanism that's uh, adding to the, the benefits of a fast, what would happen if I started putting, uh, first small amounts, then 
kind of large amounts and then kind of like earth shattering amounts into my system. And I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you the synopsis of it. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I would, people would call me an original biohacker. I've been doing that for years. Um, I always, that's why we call biological optimization. Cause we believe we're looking at the methodology that optimizes your individual biology. But in my own case, um, I started to notice that I could get faster results um, I would lose less muscle mass and I would have more energy and could sustain a fast longer if I was using extra enzymes. And I was like, well, that's interesting. So what would happen if I keep upping the dosage? And uh, I can remember during one 10 day fast when I was first doing this, and I don't recommend people start out on 10 day fast. They could start out with partial day fast and then one day fast and two days, three days, and then maybe a five day and then eventually building up to a 10 day as they get used to it and their body gets more easy for it. So I was doing one of my 10 day fasts and I decided that I was going to take a hundred of my proteolytic uh, enzymes every single day to see what would happen. Well, I think it was on the fifth, the third, it might've been the fourth or the fifth day. I started to have what I would call uh, an excruciating pain in my liver. Now, mm. unlike most pains, uh, where it was like I was bent over and I could feel it, but it didn't seem to be affecting like my cognitive capacity. My brain awareness was very, very high. I was very sharp. Everything was fine. I just had this crazy pain in my liver. And I'm like, well, what, what could this possibly be? What's going on here? And I felt I was undergoing some healing crisis. I went to my colon therapist. He's like, there's nothing that's toxic you, you you know you're you're cleaned out in your colon that's fine he goes obviously you're interacting with your liver here somehow and i i had known that years before i had you know i kind of ventured into a kind of one of my wild side as an early thing and i had partied a lot and did a lot of drugs and things like that and i think the residues were in my liver so he said well maybe if you have some saltwater brine you can pull that out because uh, saltwater brine has been used to draw out poisons inside of tissues for many years and a variety of other things so i said okay so I made a saltwater brine, which is about 38% sodium uh, in warm water in about a liter of water. And I plugged my nose and I drank the entire content out for my, during my fast. As I, this time, I'm about day seven or eight into the fast. I still have the pain in the liver, still taking 100 enzymes a day. Laid on my side for about 30 minutes and literally felt the need to vomit. Went to the washroom, so it's kind of graphic, but vomited up this really bright greenish yellow acid that did stick nothing just went wow. all down the sink i wish i could have got a sample of it and literally went into a state of euphoria and about 95 percent of the pain in my liver was gone wow and i was <laughs> and i was just like now unfortunately i didn't have data testing at that point sophisticated enough where i would have been able to see like maybe enzymatic components of my liver or what was going on there but i was very clear that something radically had happened and I had, you know, overcome some serious condition in my liver that might have manifested as something later on. And from that point, I became emphatic in, in people using uh, enzymes strategically uh, during fasts and uh, have done so ever since. And I've seen a lot of people, I've seen people with scar tissue go away, eye problems go away, skin conditions uh, be removed and we're able to move through that by adding extra enzymes during a fast 
for people. I'm not saying they should do it all the time, but it's certainly something worth experimenting with. What an incredible story. Okay, so Wade, literally, Kalea was sitting here with his mouth open and his eyes wide and this big smile on his face because he's, I, I kind of call him the mad scientist when it comes to biohacking his own uh, situation. So he's so excited to hear all this right now. Right. But you know, the, the greatest thing too is the knowledge that each and every single one of us are incredibly different. Our chemistry is so different. And so when I hear this and our lives are so different and our histories are so different that when I, when I hear this, it's like, wow, this is incredible. And, um, I, I love the fact that, you know, you just balls to the wall, just went to it. Like, <laughs> hundred enzymes a day is just that's just something I, I wouldn't even put together but i'm so happy to hear this story yeah I, I'll, I've, I've gone up as high as a thousand enzymes in a day uh, as an experiment because i wanted to see if i would break the gi barrier so just so you know in wow. in um, orthomolecular nutrition which is the treatment of disease um, with nutrition which was developed by abram hoffer Linus Pauling and Dr. David Hawkins uh, in the, around the late 60s and 70s, they would actually give people, uh, they would tartrate up dosages of whatever supplement like vitamin C until the person would get the runs and then they would down, they would down the dosage. So each, you might start on, you know, three grams of vitamin C and then the next day four and then the next day five and then maybe up until you hit maybe 10, 12, 15, or 20, and then you would get the run because basically what that means is your body can't absorb anymore. So that was quite common in various nutritional protocols, not for every different type of supplement or things. So I said, well, I'm going to try that. And just like those guys did, I'm going to apply that and see at what dosage. And I got up to 1,000, and uh, I still didn't break the GI barrier, which told me that the body will has an almost unlimited capacity to absorb these enzymes so they're so critical. Um, to a variety of functions in the body. Obviously, 1,000 enzymes a day is not financially sustainable for most people, but it certainly <laughs> was a fun experiment, and so I'm confident that you could go up to that high and, and, and certainly um, not run into any significant problems. I'm That's, not saying I recommend it, though. Right, right. That's incredible. Um, how long did you sustain that? How many days? Uh, well, I ended up doing 100 enzymes a day for two years, oh, and... Wow. Um, I did the thousand day uh, enzymes. I did that for two 10 day fasts. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of energy and a lot of clarity during right. those times. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I didn't have the healing crisis that I did the first time, uh, that, that, first, that first bout. Um, so you have to realize that I was in a pretty great state of health and was able to do that, someone else might, you know, it might not be the best idea for them. So before everybody goes out there and does all that, I just want to put a caveat. I'm not suggesting that they Absolutely. do that. That'd be something that, you know, the biohackers or people of a high level health might do because early on people might run into healing crises, you know, yep. at 10, 20, 30 enzymes. Right, right, right. Yeah. Everyone's their own chemistry experiment and be, be mindful and aware of your own chemistry makeup. Thank you so much for sharing all of that about enzymes. Um, I'm also really curious about probiotics. You know, there's 
There's so much info out there. Kaleo and I, obviously we take probiotics daily, but there's so much info and some of it is conflicting with regards to um, what type of probiotics or you know how you should take them, what's a good quality, why do you take them? Can you help us clear up a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I think we are entering what I believe is the golden age of probiotic research and development, and that is that probiotics have now got to the mainstream. And, I'll, and I'm going to back the truck up a little bit. Why is that? Well, right now, uh, 12% of the hospital visits uh, in emergency are related to gastrointestinal conditions. It's an, it, it, and, and it's getting worse and worse every year. That's, and, and 95 million Americans on any given day are suffering from some form of digestive distress. They're suffering from digestive distress because either, number one, they're eating an enzyme-deficient diet, number two, they don't have enough hydrochloric acid, or number three, they have a dysbiosis, an, an imbalance of the good and bad bacteria in their intestinal tract. So, um, and this is called sometimes called the microbiome or your gut flora or that sort of thing. And basically... There is more bacteria in your body than there are cells. Some people estimate that it's as many as 10 times the amount of bacteria in your body that you have cells. So think about that. That's pretty incredible. Second thing is, I like to say 10% of these bacteria are good, 10% are bad, and 80% are opportunists based on mm-hmm. your lifestyle, your diet, stress levels are going to determine what they're functioning. Almost all of your neurochemicals in your brain are produced by these bacteria that are converting the, your diet into biochemicals or not converting it into biochemicals. Virtually all of the food that you consume it requires a bacteria that is going to convert that at the final stage of conversion into energy units or building blocks. Without them, we literally die. They're also one of the prime representatives for our immune system. And since the modern era has happened, um, and, and what I mean by the modern era, over the last, if you look back in the early 1900s, over 90% of the population were working on farms. Today, less than 2% of the population. Now, when you worked on farms, you got your food fresh, you ate a lot of raw food, you got a lot of bacteria. We developed antibiotics, which saved millions of lives. We developed an antibacterial world with disinfecting everything, which kills a lot of the pathogens, mm-hmm. the pathogenic or the bad guys, but it also kills the good guys. And so what we didn't learn how to do is how to repopulate or reforest the good bacteria. So it's like we've developed all these issues of mass production of food and the the ability to wipe out a lot of these uh, agents uh, or bad bacteria. But we didn't learn how to repopulate with the good guys inside our system so that our bodies function properly. So uh, the last 20 years, people have been trying to figure out, well, how many different strains are in here? What strains do what? And, and, and how do they work? And, and then and eventually, you know, a couple of companies start taking advantage of research and information and, and developing probiotics so that people could uh, have the right gut flora. The problem is knowing what your gut flora is. Number two, making sure that you have a diet that supports your gut flora. Number three, purchasing a probiotic that has the right amount of prebiotics, postbiotics, and that all of the probiotics aren't actually competing for resources, which will, which they'll die off. And so there's a lot of what I call, I think, the, the Me Too movement and probiotics has been along for a while, and that is a lot of unscrupulous companies or meaning companies who don't have a background or information go in and start taking these pro- or putting these products in a pill. They don't know if they're alive. They don't know if they're dead. They don't know if they work. They don't know if they have the prebiotics and stuff. 
They go, but we, me too, we got that too. And the reality is, is the average person who hasn't done a research or doesn't know what's going on, they just heard that, hey, I need a probiotic. They go to the store, they purchase on price. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to distinguish a good one from a bad one, a transient strain from a colonizing strain, or what is going to produce the most amount of effect based on their dietary habits. And the reality is that's a tough one to overcome. So um, we help educate people about how to select right probiotics, um, why it's important to start with a what we call a transient strain that will wipe out the bad guys and kind of let your own units based on your diet colonize properly and ideally if you're going to go to the next level you'd want that under the guidance of a professional um like a naturopathic physician or dietitian or a uh, nutritional therapist wow that is some great information well it's so true it's because if you're not really understanding there's a so like you said there's just so much company you're theoretically just paying a lot of money to not actually do you any good and so it's really, you know, refreshing to be um, dealing with a, a company that is so transparent and really does want, you know, the education to spread out there. And it's just an incredible time for for our listeners to be able to experience that too. Um, now, going back to um, the uh, probiotics, you, you said something about the pre and the post. Uh, this is something I'd like for you to explain, if you wouldn't mind, just a little bit more for the listeners and why these things are, are yeah. necessary. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so great. So um, there's, let me just qualify something. There's two basic strains of probiotics, transient strains and colonizing strains. And when you look on the back of the bottle, it'll, it'll have a little number that says CFUs, which is colonizing, forming, colony forming units. Okay. And that means um, how many units will actually start to, you know, take up uh, residence inside your intestinal tract and, and, and do the functions that they're supporting supposed to do. Now, in order for that to happen, though, that probiotic needs to suffer or, or survive the acidic conditions inside your stomach. It needs to get into your intestinal tract, and there needs to be enough food in order for it to survive either in the pill or at the store, which would be like the prebiotic. And in the postbiotic, there needs to be enough of food or material that it's going to stay alive inside your intestinal tract. And this is what makes colonizing uh, new, new bacteria cultures very difficult. Now, how people solve this throughout history is almost every culture developed some sort of fermentation process. We, you know, in Northern Europe, they were using like, um, for example, sauerkraut is very common. Mm -hmm. which is a cabbage that you're fermenting food in the eighth, It might be like misu or kimchi. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, you can look throughout almost all of history and almost every single culture has some form of fermented food, which actually they figured out what food this stuff lives on and they would ferment it and they would eat it fresh um, in their own houses after they, after they fermented it. And that would supply both the prebiotic and postbiotic for that food to, for those bacteria to thrive. If you're going into a pill um, that you're going to buy in a store, that's a convenient way. So ideally, I prefer to have freeze-dried pills because that puts the bacteria in a kind of a suspended state of animation. And the, the food that's in there will keep them alive until they get into your intestinal tract and can work. Hmm. The other thing is, if they are a colonizing strain, you want to make sure the bacteria culture that you're purchasing is actually works with your diet. So, for example, my business partner is a keto guy and I'm a vegetarian. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. We're about as far apart on the spectrum as you can get. So if you did a sample <laughs> of his, sounds like our household. Flora, it's going, yeah, it's going to be very different than mine. Now, in order to deal with it, so he might choose foods or fermented foods that support his diet, and I would choose fermented foods that support mine, which are very different. However, the way that we beat down the bad guys is we use a and a very aggressive transient strain that's proven to survive the gastrointestinal tract and will go in, wipe out bad guys, take out undigested protein, which causes a lot of the inflammation inside the body. And, and that allows our bodies to naturally balance out, provided we are providing uh, the right diet for ourselves. And that's how we typically go at it as a company. We are working on a multi-strain probiotic, but this is a very complex procedure. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of companies that produce multi-strains, but they must be set up in a way that they don't compete against each other, that they support the dietary. So I think over the next five to 10 years, you're going to see very specific probiotic strains for very specific dietary parameters. Excellent. How exciting that is. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I think, I think uh, we're, we're entering into a a brand new age uh, about these strains. And, and, and we also have the opportunity to listen to podcasts like this, where people can gather information and find what's the latest uh, cutting edge information that they can apply quickly, where we would have had to wait decades before we would have known this uh, by other channels. Absolutely. I think it's so exciting that people are actually seeking this information out too. It's a really um, interesting time in our life. It's people there. I I feel a shift, which is um, very exciting. And I, I also wanted to bring in, I was, what I found so inspiring and relatable about you is how you also incorporate, so you, you are just a wealth of knowledge of this, um, the science, the physicality, the nutrition, the, the gut biome, all of this wonderful knowledge, but also you incorporate vibration and gratitude and positivity into your life as a balance. It's an important part of complete health, I think. So I heard you talk about um, ritual and how important ritual is. Can you touch on that a little bit for us? Yeah. So um, one of the things that, you know, and here's, you know, I've been in this health and wellness field literally for well over 30 years now. And what I found is that um, there appeared to be a lot of conflicting information. I'll get back to your ritual in just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes we're trained as a culture to look at what are the conflicts as opposed to what are the commonalities. And I broke down um, all of the different health experts and philosophies and dietary components that I, that I learned over the decades And instead of looking for the conflicts, I've started to look for the commonalities. And I interviewed literally hundreds of people who were literally producing what I call awesome health. (laughs) Like, you know, know, the kind of people you meet and you go, wow, that person's got a lot of energy or they're very Mm -hmm. healthy or whatever. And, uh, and, And so I would interview them and I would find out what is it that they were able to do. And two things emerged out of that. Number one, I found that there were seven distinct areas that people would put their time, energy, and resources towards. And I actually created an acronym called AWESOME that refers to those, and I'll get to that in a minute. And then the second thing that I noticed is there were 12 essential habits that people would perform on a daily basis, creating a ritual. There was usually a ritualistic 12 habits that were practiced almost universally by all of these people that I met. So I was like, aha, (laughs) we seem to have a... 
we seem to have some commonalities. Now, there would be a little bit of variance on that last, say, if you look at the 80-20 rule, based on their dietary habits or their, you know, their genetics or epigenetics or their uh, physical goals or what they were trying to achieve. But these things didn't seem to change. Number one, all of these people have a daily ritual. All of these people have a daily habit. All of these people address these items. And, and the seven categories was air, water, exercise, sunlight, optimizers, um, mental beliefs and attitude, and education, testing, and coaching. So, and, and that was the sequence that they, and I put those sequentially based on order of importance and where you get the most bang for your dollar. So air, water, and exercise. In other words, a deep breathing practice, uh, proper hydration on a daily basis, and an exercise program that suited them, their lifestyle. Basically, people go, what's the best exercise? I'm like, the one that you'll do. Yes. Um, <laughs> those three categories were virtually non-negotiables. Everybody that's producing great health is doing those three things. And the good news is, is that doesn't cost very much money. In fact, most people could solve probably 80% of their problems just by spending an hour a day on that particular process. So people go, well, I don't have an hour a day. Well, if you don't have an hour a day for that, you book a lot of time to be sick, ill, and frustrated. <laughs> so um, so uh, I broke it down and, and created a system and an education format that took people through that entire process and leveraged and, and referred to all the people that influenced my life and, and then made it nice and simple and easy for people to do in five to 15 minute videos that can be watched in the comfort of their own home or while the kids were at band practice and uh, dance recitals. I love it. Great way to put it. It's, uh, it's nothing less than awesome, brother. That is just really yeah, incredible. And when you say like a, a deep breathing um, protocol, do you have one, whether it be Kundalini or like a Wim Hof kind of method? Like what's your, what's your air intake like? <laughs> your go-to. Well, you know, just to give you an idea, the average person consumes approximately uh, 80 to 90 pounds of oxygen a day. So that's how important it is. You might eat a couple pounds of food. You might drink, you know, five pounds or eight, six or eight pounds of water. But you breathe 80 pounds of air. So think about that. Right. Uh, that's how important it is. Uh, I started cultivating uh, deep breathing practices uh, when I was uh, – studying music as a young child. I didn't know that there was any benefit, but then I learned about it. Uh, eventually, uh, as an athlete, you learn to breathing practices for recovery, both in bodybuilding and endurance running, which I did it for, and, and also in hockey. And then um, I moved into meditation, which a lot of it starts with various breath practices. And I perform a function called Kriya Yoga, which is a, a very specific energization format where you actually revolve uh, chi or prana inside the body which you can actually cultivate and feel that's not a idea that is pie in the sky you can actually feel this energy field that you can direct and and then i've also uh done some of the wim hof stuff and and, and probably a hundred different types of breathing practice but i i spend uh a, a, a little energization program i do every morning and some deep breathing and some kind of hyperventilating components and then i go into a slow steady meditative breath every single day so three distinctive types of breathing i do every single morning which uh supercharged my life i can go without eating no problem all day long just by using breath if i so choose i didn't start out that way but you eventually can cultivate those capabilities 
Awesome. Thank you for sharing that because I'm, I'm always a big proponent for breath work. And it is something that in, in, in the West, we, we kind of skip over really, really fast, not understanding how important, you know, that is. But the older that I get, I am understanding more and more that that this deep breathing is it's actually moving as to number one in my um, in my health regiment. And so uh, thank you for sharing those points. Yeah, my pleasure. So, Wade, when you go to your website, now, please help me clarify, is it bioptimizers? Am I saying that correctly? Or yeah, bio? so two people call it, some people call it bioptimizers and some people call it biooptimizers. Either way is fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, of course, we'll have all this in the show notes. But when you go to the, the website, there's an opportunity to sign up for a, a health course. And there's a the 12 Weeks to Doubling Your Energy video course. Can you tell us more about, about this? Yeah, so if people go, actually, they can just click on the link, bioptimizers.com slash rebelmuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, use your uh, URL. They'll go right to that. That course is literally a 12-week course, and it's filled with 84 uh, videos. There's 5 to 15 minutes each. There's notes to each one of those, so you can go to links. And I sequentially take people through that uh, seven-step awesome health course, the 12 habits of what I call highly healthy people, And virtually every one of those things, from air to water to exercise, sunlight, uh, I talk about enzymes and probiotics and vitamins and minerals and proteins and essential fatty acids, uh, psychological stuff, mental beliefs, attitude, what kind of education, uh, testing and coaching that you can leverage to optimize your health. And I do it in a sequential format for people so they can go through that course and they can really start to determine where they can start building their own daily regimen. I even have one in there where I compress the entire routine into a 15 minute a day routine that anybody can do that will literally double, if not triple their energy inside those 12 weeks. Amazing. Thank you so much for all of this. So all you listeners out there, we're we're gonna have all of this in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about everything that Wade has talked about today, please go to this course. It, I just signed up this morning, so I'm very excited about it. And we'll keep keep everyone posted on our journey with it as well. And, and Wade, I, I just want to, you know, personally from us, thank you so much for your work and your service that, um, you know, you're, you're bringing to so many people that, um, that are fed up with not being healthy and, and don't necessarily, um, I would say, know what to do about it. And uh, all of this knowledge and, and everything that you've done for your entire career and where it's brought you, it's, it's such a pleasure to communicate with you and talk to you. And thank you so very much for your time. We really appreciate this. Uh, it's really my pleasure. And uh, I'm on this mission to help uh, at least a million people transform their health. And uh, thank you for putting the message out for people. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Your message and your passion and enthusiasm are very inspiring. So thank you so much. All right, everybody. Bye. Take care. And thank you, Wade. Yeah, my pleasure. Peace. Hey, everybody. Uh, This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. Information provided here on this podcast of Rebel and Muse is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Any information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for face-to-face consultation with your physician and should not be construed as medical advice of any sort. Also, any guests on the Rebel and Muse podcast is strictly speaking from their opinion and should not be confused with medical advice of any sort either.